The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. Ever wonder if you have the right HR systems and processes in place at your dealership? Today's guest, Jamie Hasty of Sesco Management Systems, one of the premier HR consulting firms in North America, has some real-world advice. Sesco advises some of the country's leading tire dealerships on HR issues. Today, Jamie will discuss the importance of writing good job descriptions, why you need to have a consistent employee interview process, why you also need to have a comprehensive up-to-date employee handbook, and much, much more. So let's get to it. Jamie, one thing that your company, Sesco, often reinforces with its clients is that having basic HR systems in place is a major contributor to success. What do you mean by that? And what are some of those key systems? Yeah, Mike. So, you know, when we when we work with our clients across the country, a lot of times what we, we end up doing is providing audit services or consulting services that are related to major HR systems in place. And so things that we look for are what type of systems are there and what is missing? Because we know that in order for a business to be successful, you've got to manage the technical side, but you also have to manage the people side of things, right? And so the systems kind of help lay that foundation for for other areas of success. So when when I look at any, any organization, I'm looking for a few major basic systems. Um, you know, what type of interview and screening systems do you have in place? Are you just asking willy-nilly questions off the cuff with no rhyme or reason as to why we're addressing them? So there should always be some, some basic standardized interview questions. And that also kind of keeps you out of hot water with regard to legalities, right? Um, And well, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about some of that compliance aspect here in just one second. You got to have job descriptions. Every single position for a number of reasons, again, ties back into the compliance aspect with Americans with Disabilities Act and other other workers comp pieces. There's got to be job descriptions for every position. You know, you got to have good basic file systems, an employee handbook, um, a formalized compensation, w- whether that be, you know, labor grades or particularly in this industry, a lot of pay plans, right? We've got people on production type incentive programs. So there has to be formal pay plans in place. So those are the big things that I look for in working with any client is do we have the fundamentals in place? And if we don't, let's work to get them because without them, you're going to have things all over the place. Um, You're going to have potential areas of liability or miscommunication that's going to impact leadership, going to impact your compliance. It's kind of all intertwined. 
Well, it's especially important right now, I would think, given the, the extremely tight nature of the labor market at the moment. Very tough to, to, number one, find great people and hang on to the people that you currently have. And you mentioned uh, job descriptions a few minutes ago. How detailed should an independent tire dealership get in terms of listing criteria or prerequisites for a particular function? And does it depend on the function? Yeah, that's a great question. Certainly, um, I have written and I have seen any version of a job description you could ever imagine, Michael. Um, but you know, here's here's what I would tell your listeners to focus on. You want to focus on the KSAs, the knowledge, skills, and abilities. Those are the basics. What type of education? What type of experience? What type of soft skill and technical skill set is required to be successful in the job? Do they need required certifications? So that can be just a, a few short sentences on the KSAs. But then what I want to see are the essential functions of the job. Why does the position exist? What are the main duties? And you can bullet point those out. I always suggest that you try to make them as um, qualitative and quantitative as you possibly can. So for, for ease of this conversation, let's just say we're hiring for a front desk um, reception individual or customer service rep right? That's easy. So they're going to be required to answer the phone. Well, how do you want them to answer the phone, Michael? Do you want them to answer it within the first three or four rings using your standard customized greeting? Uh, thanks. Good morning. Thank you for calling ABC company. How may I direct your call? Or my name is Jamie. How may I help you? You know, you can put those things in the job description one because it makes it easier to manage the, the performance when you get down to annual evaluations or 90 day evaluations, but two, um, from a compliance aspect, you need to have identified what are essential functions of the job, meaning what are the main things? What am I spending the bulk of my percentage of time on day in and day out? Um, but I also wanna see what are the non-essential functions of the job? What are the other random duties that I may do infrequently that are still important to the job but I won't necessarily have to accommodate if I have somebody that has a physical or mental disability, um, either an applicant or a current employee under ADA. So, you know, your KSAs are important. You can have bullet points, but make them as detailed as possible. You don't need 10 pages worthwhile of job descriptions okay. for a general employee, but for a manager, you absolutely should have you know, much more in that job description than what you would find on, on the non-supervisory level. So the manager should have things in there about, you know, performance evaluations, coaching, counseling, their screening and hiring uh, job functions, leadership, um, ethical behavior, those sorts of things should be in there. Um, so job descriptions can be as long or as short a, a, as you make them, so long as the content is there. And that's really the important piece. It doesn't have to be, you know, 10 pages, but we're going to challenge the content. Does it justify how and why you pay the position the way that you pay it mm -hmm. for a number of compliance aspects? Um, but also, if you need to defend yourself um, and, and show this, look, this is why I hired Ron. This is why I hired Mike. Um, it was based on them meeting all of these KSAs and their skill sets. 
that you, you put yourself into a better position as a business owner. How important is it to have a standardized interview or, or employee screening process in place? Well, it, it, it's really important for a number of reasons. So first and foremost, we know that different states, different localities um, don't, you, don't allow you to ask certain questions. For example, in California, you can't ask about past compensation history. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure that we're writing good behavioral based questions. Tell me about a time when describe to me mm -hmm. how you have handled this mm -hmm. and you want to ask good and bad examples. Um, but there are a number of other areas that, uh, you want to avoid such as talking about family or kids, talking about, uh, medical information, talking about any other protected class, age, race, sex, religion, national origin, genetic information, mm -hmm. Um, and so having a standardized interview guide based on the position helps kind of keep those managers that are doing the interviews kind of on the straight and narrow. It doesn't allow them an opportunity to go off script and right. accidentally ask or get into a, a topic of conversation that could potentially open us up to a little bit of liability. So one, you, you want those standardized um, interview guides for equal opportunity employment purposes. Um, also, it makes the manager's job much, much easier because they know what they're going to ask. Uh, three, you're focusing on behavioral-based uh, performance behaviors. We know that past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. Mm -hmm. And then you have something in writing that you can refer back to uh, to make sure that you're hiring the most qualified individual. And, and lastly, Michael, the, the job description serves really uh, as the basis of where those interview questions come from. The two go hand in hand. So if you have your KSAs and your job functions written out and a job description, it shouldn't take you any more than 10 minutes to craft uh, a standardized interview guide based on that job description because you've got the essential functions laid out and you know what skill sets that you're looking for. Several minutes ago, you mentioned the importance of an employee handbook, and one of your colleagues, uh, Bill Ford, in the May issue of Modern Tire Dealer, wrote an outstanding article about how you can you can use your employee handbook as a, a tool to uh, not only set expectations, but also boost employee morale. Can, can you talk a little bit about the importance of having a good, comprehensive, up-to-date employee handbook and what that can do for you as a business owner? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, many of the federal and state requirements, employment regulations do require that you have certain policies written in place. So that's the foundation of the employee handbook, whether that be wage and hour, family medical leave, Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and those three things hit both on state and fed. Then you have to have harassment policies and so on and so forth. One, that lets employees know what's expected of them. What benefits do I get? When do I need to clock out? What happens if I'm not doing my job? Whether that be attendance-wise, uh, I'm engaging in inappropriate or unprofessional conduct, mm -hmm. but it also gives the managers a guide as to 
what do they manage? What do they not manage? It, it kind of makes it a very easy aspect from performance management because it's there in black and white. The employee has read their expectations. The managers also know what's expected of them as managers. Um, and kind of, it gives us a guideline. Um, so you need it from a compliance aspect. It makes life much, much easier for performance management. But then if you have to get into a disciplinary and or separation of employment status, those handbook policies are going to support your employment decisions. Um, so it helps you defend unemployment claims, workers' comp, uh, charges of discrimination or wrongful termination. Um, but we, we often find that motivation and morale are not synonymous, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you and I have talked about that. Um, but with the employee handbook, it gives them something to look back at, to know what's expected, to help kind of foster, hey, this is fair and equitable. Mm -hmm. The attendance policy is not there to, you know, try to get one over on me. It's fair and equitable. Everybody's going to be held to this which helps foster morale. Um, if you've got performance management pieces in your handbook and you know, you're the workhorse and you're the superstar and uh, you're getting frustrated uh, because you feel like so-and-so is not being written up for showing up 10 minutes late, one, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but two, you can go back to that and say, you know what, there's a policy in place and I, I trust that my manager is going to follow that policy with the other employees. So it, it helps boost morale and motivation, knowing what's expected, but knowing that there's going to be fair and equitable treatment across the board. How often do you recommend updating your employee handbook? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So um, federal law tends to change a smidge less than state laws. And we've seen a lot of states um, enact quite a bit in the last year or two. So our recommendation is at least every other year, you have it reviewed by an HR consultant and or an employment attorney. Um, ideally, it would be um, every year, just simply because laws mm -hmm. do change with the respective states. Um, here's what I will also tell you. Please do not borrow a handbook from um, your buddies in the industry, especially if they're one, not in the same state, but two, right. you don't know where they got that handbook from, how out of date it is. Um, so, you know, there's no such thing as just the stock handbook that you can put in place. There always has to be customization based on your locality, based on your size of the organization, um, based on the fringe benefits that you may be offering. So, I know that a lot of times we try to share within the industry resources, and that's mm -hmm. awesome. I'm not saying don't, but also don't bank on the fact that so-and-so's handbook is going to work for your organization because it very well may not. So you really need something that's tailored to your business and, and your expectations of employees. Absolutely. You also mentioned compensation earlier in the conversation, Jamie. How important is it to have well-defined, comprehensive compensation plans in place? Yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of look at it from two categories. A lot of employees within this industry are paid on some sort of incentive pay plan. Um, but you also have the non-incentive pay plan type of individuals. So every organization should have a justification as to why we pay this position what we pay it. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes from what we refer to as a right price theory. So you look at the external market 
you never want to be the highest payer in town, but you never want to be the lowest. You want to kind of fall somewhere in the middle. But then you have to understand what is the value that this position holds to the organization. That's your internal job factor point evaluation. And then the, the third piece of that right price theory is our ability to pay, right? Because right. The, the piece of the pie is only so large. Then you add in benefits, and, and we know that that can be anywhere from 20 to 40, 50% of total compensation. So you want to have established ranges for the positions of what in which you're hiring for. Um, one, because that helps managers when they're screening and hiring know if somebody comes in and says, well, I want $60,000, but this position can only pay $45,000, we are at an impasse here. Correct. Right. So right. why take that person through the process of an interview, two or three panel, whatever it may be, if when we get down to the negotiation of the money, it's not going to work out. It helps uh, managers call out at, on the front end of screening and hiring if they know what their hiring range is. Um, and if I can go a little bit uh, backwards here in terms of screening and hiring, I always say have the money conversation up front. Do it in the initial interview. There are ways of appropriately asking what their expectations are in terms of comp, but don't take somebody through an entire process without knowing what they're looking for in terms of compensation. You're wasting their time and you're wasting yours. But so labor grades, yes, you need a range. You need a hiring range. You need midpoints. You need max points. You need rules associated with how do we move people through. And then on your incentive side, there needs to be written pay plans, whether it's a draw against commission, whether it's flat rate, whether it's salary plus commission, hourly plus spiff or bonus, um, that's required underneath federal wage and hour regulations. So, so really, the, you know, in, in listening to you, Jamie, and this is all great information, I'm sure our listeners will find it to be incredibly useful. Uh, whether we're talking about uh, job descriptions or the screening process or the handbook or the compensation plans you, you have in place. The, it, it's, it's important to be as transparent and as upfront and as clear as possible, as early as possible. Absolutely. You know, communication we have found is the number one issue in every organization, right? Um, and communication in terms of systems and processes and policies is a large part of ongoing success of the organization, but it also trickles into leadership and fostering relationships and trust, which ties back into retention of your good employees. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned earlier, Mike, when we first started, you know, we're in a tough labor market right now. It's hard enough to find good workers, good employees, uh, let alone keep them. And these systems help establish how we retain our staff uh, on top of, you know, the the entrepreneurial side of leadership and making that transition from, you know, building the business and, and focusing on marketing, which, which you're still going to focus on, but you're, you're transitioning into, I've got to manage the people. You've got to invest in your people for long-term success of the business. Without your employees, you, you can't offer goods and services. Can that be a difficult transition for some business owners to make going from, you know, new business development and operations to the people part of it, the HR part of it, the, 
the the fostering of the, the relationships piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, let's be 100% honest. HR is not always uh, rainbows and butterflies, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always the managers or the business owners favorite thing to do. I get it. It's hard. It's uncomfortable at times, but it's necessary. Um, you know, you've, you've worked so hard to build that business on, on the technical side of things that it, it can be a difficult transition on focusing on more of the softer side of things, the soft skill set, the coaching, motivation, the fostering that relationship, getting to know your people. Um, you know, the number one reason why employees leave an organization is not money or benefits or work-life balance. They leave the manager. Mm -hmm. and, and nine times out of 10, it's because that they had no sort of connection with that manager. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be best friends with all of your staff, but you've got to get to know your people. Because how am I going to motivate you, Mike, if I don't know what makes you tick? Right. If I don't have any sort of relationship with you. You may be motivated by positive recognition amongst your peers and not necessarily, you know, closing the deal. Uh, whereas your, your other coworkers may be more motivated by checking off boxes and working through tasks and they don't want that motivation or they don't want that recognition. So, you know, you, you've got to get to know your people based on their unique personalities um, to help really learn how to manage, grow, develop, retain them. That soft side of HR, that mm -hmm. soft side of leadership is just as important, if not more, than the technical side. And, and that's a never-ending process, right, Jamie? Absolutely. I mean Absolutely. And you, it, there takes, it takes dedication. It takes time. Um, and listen, we're all human. We, we kind of ebb and flow and where our focuses are. And for a lot of our listeners, they, you know, they're wearing many hats. They're, they're wearing, you know, the sales hat, the ops hat, the safety hat, the HR hat, and it can be a lot to, to manage day in and day out, but um, you got to do it. You have to commit yourself to being transparent, having good communications with your employees, getting to know them so that we can retain them. We want to keep the good employees. Think about how much money you invest in staff through from start to finish or start to the first six months between screening and hiring time, onboarding, training. Um, and if you lose an employee, it's roughly about 30% of what you would have paid them that year to turn around and rehire. So, so really, Jamie, what, what you're saying, if I'm hearing correctly, you know, to sum it up is it's, it's a combination of people and process. It's not people over process. It's not process over people. It's having the right mix of, of both. Absolutely. You nailed it right on the head. Jamie, thanks. Thanks for all this great information today. Really enjoyed talking to you. I'm sure our listeners have a lot of great takeaways from, from this chat, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate the opportunity. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. 
From one-on-one coaching and 20-group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. To contact Sesco, visit sescomgt.com. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.